on this week's episode of News of the Weekend. I'm sorry. Oh, hello. I'm gonna say hello. I'm good, thank you. What is this? Urgent? Oh, from Mr. YLP himself. Oh, okay. Um, oh, he wants me to read it right now. As as I'm recording. Okay, well, thank you. Tell him, send him my love and regards. Apparently, I've gotten some news from Mr. YLP himself, and apparently this is directed to the YLP universe. So let's see what he has to say. Dear residents of the YLP universe, first and foremost, I'd like to say thank you very much for your continued love and support of the YLP podcast in 2020. In my mind, 2020 was a banner year for the podcast as we joined the WrestleAddict Radio family, and they made my rookie year quite a success. As being the workhorse of WrestleAddict Radio, I pride myself in actually making sure that I provide top-notch quality across the entire board for not only you people, but the WrestleAddict Radio family as well, and and giving them laughter, something to think about, and love throughout the year. That's actually quite nice of him. Zach, you are still a complete idiot. Okay. That's that's how we're going to do it? All right. Have you forgotten that today is the beginning of award season? Apparently I have. So, in that being in the spirit of award season, I have finally compiled my top 20 matches for 2020. Today, you will be giving the YLP Universe my top 10 honorable mentions of 2020, the 10 matches that barely missed the cut, but still deserve true praise and honor in and of itself. Tomorrow, you'll be giving the people my top 10 matches of 2020, the top 10 matches that I believe defined what 2020 was truly about as a whole. Also, ladies and gentlemen, I will be giving you all the YLP awards of 2020. Of course, uh, patrons will get first crack at listening to that episode, while the remainder of the WrestleAddict Radio family will be listening to it on New Year's Eve at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as always. Wow, wow, this is very, very, very nice of him. So, again, I hope you all had a very wonderful, safe, and healthy Christmas. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy awards season. And I'll see you guys back here in the new year. Also, have a safe and healthy new year. Don't do anything stupid. Make sure you take your Uber and Lyft if you are going out. Because a $10,000 fine and court fees will not do you any good. I promise you it is quite hilarious if I have to find out that one of you actually did it. Of course, his sense of humor never never ceases to amaze me, as per usual. Signed, of course, Mr. YLP himself. P.S. Zach, I will dock you for your pay for not remembering that award season has begun, and we'll discuss negotiations on numbers later. How adorable. But, yes, Mr. YLP himself actually is correct. It is the beginning of award season. And today is the top 10 honorable mentions of 2020. This is episode 283 of the YLP Podcast. Let's hit the intro. Let's get it started. And with that being said, let us begin. Wrestling fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, genders, and everything in between. It is time to go to war and be the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Welcome 
to the revolution. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast. What's going on, guys? It is I, the one and only Quiet Riot himself, Zach, your host of the Young Lions Perspective. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Greetings, one and all. This is your Prime Minister speaking, your favorite Canadian Mr. Fretz. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the and Great from the Game Changer Podcast. If you're looking for a network that keeps wrestling real, then you've come to the right place because you're listening to you are listening. To you are listening to you are listening. Then you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening to what is going on, everybody. This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Now enjoy the show. Are you ready? Podcast here, and welcome to episode 283 of the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Monday morning. Enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are. In the world. Thank you guys so much for having this episode of the podcast. As always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. It is December 28th, you guys. I hope everybody had a fantastic Christmas. Before I get into anything else, uh, I want to uh, have that radio. Uh, condolences to the Huber family, uh, Amanda and her two boys. We found out last night that Mr. John Huber, a.k.a. Mr. Williams, a.k.a. Luke Parker, unfortunately passed away at the age of 42 years old. What we are hearing uh, reports right now, and I'm not sure if it's definitive as yet, is that he suffered a non COVID related uh, lung issue that unfortunately uh, came with his untimely passing. It was a definite uh, stab in the heart, excuse me, for most of us who uh, are professional wrestling podcasters. Those who are in the industry, and especially those at AEW, uh, this, was, this really came out of nowhere. Uh, it was literally just on my phone, looking at some things on Instagram, and then I saw it on the watch, and I saw that uh, John Huber had passed away, and I was thinking, okay, cat much, and I looked it up, and when you hold Fightful.com's YouTube, uh, Sean Ross App was talking about John Huber actually passing away. So I sent out a tweet, uh, hashtag rest in peace, but you're not too soon, never been forgotten. And this is definitely one of those things where it never ceases to amaze. A lot of people are still reading into it, given the fact that we've uh, lost before so many due to the coronavirus. And uh, also, my father's passing uh, back in the end of October. The day after Christmas, Johnny was passing, shocked, and stabbed the wrestling world right in the heart. Once again, 
he was definitely one of my favorites. One who I thought definitely did not give us just to the WWE. Uh, of course, remember every uh, fan, Bray Wyatt family, with uh, himself, Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, and Eric had a banger of a match back in 2014 for a six-man tag. Back in the Elimination Chamber. Pay-per-view. And since then, I have been a fan of Huber's. Uh, ever since then, I knew of his name in the Indies uh, as Birdie Lee. Excuse me, had to take some bit of water there. And ever since then, I've become a huge fan of his. Um, he really came into his own with the uh, storyline with himself, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, going in, in uh, 2016, which unfortunately, uh, WWE didn't take advantage of that and uh, have us a triple threat match uh, for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania uh, back in 2017. Uh, and in turn, in turn, ended up being just Wyatt versus Orton for the title. And one of the worst matches of that year, in my personal opinion. And I honestly believe Harper deserved to be in that matchup. And I think it would have turned out to be a much better situation uh, had we had those three face off against each other. Um, right. Instead of just a one-on-one match between Wyatt and Orton. He then left the company uh, in 2020, uh, 2019, I should say. And went on to join AEW this past year, and became and was recognized as the leader of the Dark Order early on in 2020 in the rivalry with SCU, and then what would have been in his hometown of Rochester, New York, but due to the coronavirus, that unfortunately did not come to pass, and that would have been a huge moment for himself and the people of Rochester um, to have that moment, which would have been a huge pop for not just the people in Rochester, but everyone at home watching AEW Dynamite that evening. Then went on to have a match with John Moxley for the AEW World's Championship at Double or Nothing. Uh, became TNT champion back in the end of the summer. Um, dropped it to Cody um, about a month or so later. And then was gone from TV for a little while. And apparently, and I guess that would be the time where he found out about his issues and was trying to get himself treated. So... And unfortunately, last night, or should I say Saturday night, we found out of the news of John Huber's passing. And it was a very, very rough night for a lot of us. I had saw my Twitter light up with a lot of people and still uh, yesterday morning light up with uh, love and much support from the uh, entire industry, not just AEW and WWE, but from the entire industry as a whole, showing their love to the Huber family and... Um, their fondest memories of him and whew, you never want to see anyone go. Um, it's rough, especially for all of us that do podcast and do this stuff because we are, you know, extended family in a sense and fans of his like myself. So my, my heart felt thoughts and prayers and, Condolences on behalf of the WrestleMania Radio family, myself, and my unofficial co-host Marley, who is taking another nap. Um, go out to the Huber family and please be respectful with your well wishes. Don't do anything. Don't say anything stupid on Twitter. Um, this is not the time to be doing that, especially with what's been going on. Um, be respectful of the family and let them grieve in their time of grief. And um, I'm sure 
anything more, any other news that will be coming out, I'm sure will come from the family itself. So don't go around trying to speculate what may have happened. I'm just telling you what I've heard, what the possibility of it may have been. And um, again, rest in peace, John Huber, at the age of 42 years old. And I think he would want us to go on talking about professional wrestling because that was he, what he was all about for sure. And today... Mr. YLP has given me his list of the top 10 honorable mentions of 2020. He has stated that he went over 80 plus matches. In his mind, it was the toughest list he has ever created, given the fact that there were so many good matches that came out of this year. And somehow, some way, through a lot of gin, a lot of thoughts, a lot of push-ups apparently, and some squats, he has finally given us his top 20 for the year 2020. So we shall begin with the top 10 honorable mentions of 2020. Uh, before I get into that, though, make sure if you have any thoughts, concerns, opinions, or comments about today's episode and of today's uh, top 10 honorable mentions of 2020, leave me an email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, you can find me over there at YL Perspective. Send me a DM, send me a tweet, anything like that. All tweets and DMs are welcome. Just don't be, don't really do anything stupid or say anything dumb. You will get blocked, deleted, like Matt Hardy used to back in the day. You can find me over on Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective, as well as Facebook at Young Lions Perspective, all one word, or simply search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Let us get into the top 10 honorable mentions of 2020. And starting off at number 10, John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki. I believe from the new beginning in Osaka back in February of this year, this match brings back a solid memory. This was a matchup I was not expecting to see happen. John Moxley just regained the... IWGP United States Championship back at Wrestle Kingdom 14 in January and during the new beginning tour, if I remember, if my I believe New Year's Dash actually, in the build to, the, uh, to new beginning. Minoru Suzuki and Moxley had a little bit of a run-in uh, at a couple points throughout. So the match was made. And we were gifted one hell of an early Christmas present. This was a match, in my mind, that was probably some of Moxley's best work. When you're given a man of Minoru Suzuki's caliber, who was a veteran of the game, and a guy who pretty much will just fight you until the death. Until he literally dies, if he has to. In order to either win or lose a match, he will give you everything he had. With this matchup, this was one of those matches where... If you didn't like seeing two guys just beating the living hell out of each other for about 20 minutes, this was not your cup of tea nor your shot of whatever liquor you enjoy on a daily basis. Unless you drink wine, that's totally different. But this was a matchup where just this was this was just two dudes being dudes, two bros being bros, and two guys that literally hated each other and were willing to beat the living hell out of each other for the right to say, I beat you. The match itself was just fantastic. This was my... y'all. As y'all know, I love some strong style. I love New Japan, and New Japan produced this wonderfully. 
I enjoyed every single bit of it. If you have NGPW World and you still haven't seen this matchup yet, go out of your way to watch this match. This match was literally quintessential John Moxley in his element against the guy on Minoru Suzuki, who was, like I said, was willing to beat anyone the fuck up when necessary. A man who gave no fucks against a man who gave no fucks either. I love this matchup. And somehow, someway, Moxley retained his championship. I believe the title was on the line with this. And this was just one of those things where I was thoroughly impressed by this matchup. So much so that I actually watched it three times. That's how good this match was. And one of his and one of Mr. YLP's criteria for both lists is replay value. And this match has a ton of replay value across the board. Again, this was probably Moxley's one of Moxley's best matches of 2020. And I couldn't have been more impressed with this entire match. Coming in at number nine, the women's war games match from TakeOver War Games just a few weeks ago, actually. I was actually quite impressed that Mr. YLP himself actually put this on his list. Usually, um, he wouldn't have uh, work. His personal opinion is that when it comes to War Games matches, they would be matches of the year candidates, and they would. But in his mind, and mine as well, that this was probably one of the better in his mind, it wasn't the better women's War Games match, but this match in his mind, and I think in my and some of y'all's too, was the better match of War Games for 2020. It kicked off the show, um, given the fact that the Undisputed Era versus the uh, Team McAfee was the main event. But I said, I believe in my review, that this match was actually the better of the two, given the fact that there was more storylines involved between all eight members of this particular match. I mean, with, I mean, you had a star-making match in Raquel Gonzalez. You had a star-making match in Shotzi Blackheart. Ember Moon killed it. Tony Storm killed it. Candice LeRae killed it. Indy Hartwell had a solid performance in this match. Io Shirai jumping off the cage while wearing a gar- a steel garbage can from the top while I screamed Kobe. Um, that was a fantastic moment in this matchup. Shotzi Blackheart sent time off the uh, ladder onto uh, Candice LeRae, who was holding a chair to protect herself, and in the process, fucked her arm up. Dakota Kai had a solid performance. This was just one of... Rhea Ripley even had a really good performance as well in this matchup, and what I thought would have been the defining... Per- the, the swan song for Miss Ripley before we get into Royal Rumble season. All eight members of this matchup really served themselves quite well. And I think this... And I even said... In my TakeOver War Games review, this was literally your core of the women's division. Um, top tier and mid-tier alike. I was thoroughly impressed with this. Me personally, I, I personally would have put this higher on my list. But again, this is Mr. YLP's top 10 honorable mentions. And apparently the eight that he has, apparently in his mind, are a lot better than the one, the two that we've already discussed. This was what War Games was about for the ladies. Again, they really crushed it for the second year in a row. Uh, of course, last year's uh, iteration of the War Games was fantastic as well, um, which made a star-making performance out of Rhea Ripley and made her a household name, thus going on to win uh, the NXT Women's Championship later on in the month of December in 2019. And it looks as if Raquel Gonzalez will be the one possibly the challenge for the NXT Women's Championship. Um, personally, I have not seen the latest edition of NXT, um, I kind of taken a little bit of a hiatus off of that, just stepped away for a little bit, just to recharge the batteries, um, 
and to prepare, and of course to prepare the top ten honorable mentions and top ten matches of twenty twenty. Which leads me to number eight on our list. Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley from NXT TakeOver In Your House back in June. This was the first of the um, iterations of TakeOvers during a pandemic, um, trying to, which, which most people would say would be a ratings grab. But to me, it was a way for NXT to get creative and be able to produce shows that, you know, people, you know, that they could build towards throughout the summer months. Of course, we had the Great American Bash in July, which was a two-week event in and of itself. And which actually, in which actually there is a match from TakeOver uh, NXT Great American Bash on this list as well. Give you kind of an idea of what could be coming down the pike later on in today's episode. But this particular matchup, and I would agree with Mr. YLP on this, and he actually gave me the, told me this uh, as we discussed things, and I guess I was one of the 17 consultants, which he did not acknowledge me, but I digress. This was a proper women's championship match, in his mind. This had good storyline behind it, given the fact that Charlotte Flair was actually in NXT for quite some time, given the fact that she did defeat Rhea Ripley, uh, at WrestleMania for the NXT Women's Championship. Now, for those of you who may not know, and I actually read this a couple weeks ago, the original plan was for Rhea Ripley to retain the NXT Women's Championship, but the brass in WWE actually 86 the call and made the decision to have Charlotte Flair become the new Women's Champion. So for those of you who thought Rhea Ripley should have won the championship, the original plan was for her to win just that creative just said, go fuck yourself. Io Shirai, I think, had a... This actually started what I would consider her campaign for MVP of 2020. Um, of course, there were some matches that uh, later on in that summer that kind of really quelled that fire a little bit for her. But this was uh, one hell of a performance for Io. Uh, and of course, in her uh, rise to becoming um, the NXT Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, going back to NXT and trying to, I guess, you know, mold the entire division in her image, as well as Rhea Ripley's quest to defeat Charlotte Flair in her quest to re regain the NXT Women's Championship. This was a very, very fantastic triple threat match. And usually triple threat matches for me... Sometimes don't always hit the mark, but in my mind, this match truly hit the mark. Io Shirai, of course, became the NXT Women's Champion that night, defeating, um, getting the pin on Rhea Ripley and not on Charlotte Flair, which was uh, very surprising for a lot of us. But Io Shirai then became the Women's Champion and thus led into the era of the genius of the sky. Ever since then, she's been really killing it as NXT Women's Champion, and she is still champion as of this recording, as far as I know. But this was a, this was a very, very solid triple threat match. Uh, spots all over the place. Io Shirai jumping off the house um, in this in this whole thing. This was great. This is a, just a, and of course a great way to end NXT Takeover in your house. A proper main event 
for the women's championship. And one, I am definitely glad to say that this is actually on the list for top 10 honorable mentions of 2020. Coming in at number seven. This one actually could have made the top 10 matches of 2020, given the fact of storyline, everything that built up to this matchup. But there were 10, there were about uh, 16 better than this one when all was said and done. And that would be MJF versus Cody Rhodes at AEW Revolution. I loved every single bit of this storyline. I did. Hands down, no cap, no question, this was my kind of match. This was the match that honestly, in my opinion, defined MJF as a major player in AEW, going all the way back to Full Gear. Of course, if y'all remember Full Gear 2019, MJF threw in the towel on Cody Rhodes, uh, who was in a match with Chris Jericho for the AEW World's Championship at the time. With that throwing into the towel, Cody Rhodes could no longer vie for the AEW World Championship. Period. End of conversation. MJF, of course, after the matchup, you know, I'm sorry, you were in trouble. I had to stop it. And Cody, of course, you know, was was a bit forgiving, but understandably pissed off at MJF for throwing in the towel and not allowing him to go out on his own shield. Which, if if you uh, saw the uh, Deontay Wilder (laughs) Tyson Fury fight, you can understand that as well. This, the fact that it's not much higher on the list for Mr. Wild P kind of concerns me. Because of the fact that this match had so much buildup. Months and months of storyline. The storyline leading up to this matchup, having to go, having to, you know, you know, with Cody having to go under MGF's conditions in order to even face him at Revolution, which led many to believe that Rhodes was going to be the one to take out MGF and shut him up. On that fateful night, MGF was the one to uh, get to, of course, use the Dynamite Diamond to knock out Cody and get the victory over Cody Rhodes, which then, which then actually began his, uh, which gave us the promo of a lifetime going after, uh, calling out John Moxley for the AEW World Championship, and that was back in February. And to this day, I still felt that MJF could be world champion at uh, All Out. Unfortunately, that was not to be. But just that storyline really, really was just fantastic in and of itself. Just him having to have that that first Steel K match in uh, AEW history with Wardlow. Cody's moonsault off the top rope in order to actually get that matchup. Not being able to touch AMJF throughout the entirety. It was just it was just one of those this was if if I had to go through storyline of the year, this would be an easy easy candidate for that. This was just one of the better storylines of 2020. And I know a lot of people really didn't want MJF to win that matchup. I personally had MJF winning. You can go back to my uh, preview predictions for AEW Revolution back in February. And just let you know, I called that one. You're welcome in advance. But this really cemented MJF as a major player in AEW. 
This also cemented, you know, Cody Rhodes being able to realize and recognize that MGF was going to be a major player in AEW and allowing him to get the victory over him. That's something you don't normally see. Uh, Cody Rhodes, of course, then went on to become the inaugural TNT champion uh, against Lance Archer in what I thought was one of the better matches of Double or Nothing this year. Even though a lot of people... Oh, no, I had Lance Archer winning that, personally. Uh, but it made sense for um, Cody Rhodes to win it, then have, giving the title to Mr. Brody Lee and him being able to carry the championship for at least about a month and a half or something like that before he dropped it back to uh, Cody Rhodes, who then dropped it to Darby Allen earlier later on uh, earlier this year in the fall. So this really benefited both men across the board with the fact that MGF became a major player, is now a major player. He's now in within the, the inner circle uh, with everything that's going on with that. Of course, having a banger of a match with John Moxley, which is always fantastic. And both men, honestly, in my mind, had really good years. A very fantastic year. I would say both men are in the running for MVP. Um, they're, I don't think they're on the short list, but they are definitely on the extent, uh, a solid watch list. They were on the watch list for 2020. They both really came out well out of this. They both really did themselves a service with this. And I think fans started to realize that MGF was going to be a big deal. I saw it maybe before anyone else. Maybe. I don't know. I'm, I was one of those guys that was really high on MGF, and I really had the feeling that MGF was going to do big things in 2020. And he did. And, you know, I think with this victory in AEW Revolution, this really cemented him as one of the guys to watch in AEW from 20, from the remainder of 2020. And I honestly say 2021, um, as we are on the road to AEW Revolution um, in, just, in less than about a month or in about maybe a couple months. So, def, but I do have to say, this was the match that cemented MJF as, the, as a name to look out for in 2020. For the remainder of 2020, and now going into 2021, this will have, I think this match alone, paid huge dividends and still pays huge dividends for him going into 2021. And with Cody, now he's dealing with, um, what the hell is he got going on? Anyway. Hey, well, he's got the whole deal thing uh, going on with Team Taz, with uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, and uh, of course, Brian Cage, as well as Taz. So they've got that going on. So at least both men came out of this. Uh, for the remainder of 2020, getting into major storylines across the board for Dynamite and for the brand as a whole. It was fantastic, and sometimes, you know, matches benefit both. You can't be mad at that. It benefited both men regardless. Both men still had success, some losses, some goods, and some still had successes going forward. So there's nothing I could say about this, but I think this was a jump. This was actually a huge jump start for both men to for more to do uh, to have in 2020 can't be mad at it whatsoever and to end off the first half of the top 10 honorable mentions of 2020 at number 6 Damian Priest versus Bronson Reed versus Cameron Grimes versus Johnny Gargano versus the Velveteen Dream for the vacant NXT North American Championship at TakeOver 30. It was at the Great American, it was after the Great American Bash. 
Keith Lee became the first double champion in the history of the brand, defeating Adam Cole. Baby! In a main event of night two, to become the first ever double champion in the brand's history. Of course, Mr. Sorov leaked that pretty fucking early, and I think because of it, Indushare is still in the doghouse for that, as far as I know. But, given the fact that, you know, with, given the fact of uh, the fact that that was leaked, didn't matter. We still saw the match, and I thought that was a great match for Mr. Lee and Mr. Cole. Upon the aftermath of said matchup, NXT champion and North American champion Keith Lee had a defense of both titles against Dominic Dijakovic, renewing their rivalry, and uh, which brought forth the feud between Keith Lee and Karrion Cross at at NXT Takeover Thirty. But before he was before he did that. He actually relinquished the North American Championship, recognizing that William Regal gave him the opportunity to become North American Champion and giving him the opportunity to become a double champion, the first one in the brand's history, and and recognized that he could no longer carry both belts. So he wanted to pay it forward and extend the opportunity to the remainder of the uh, NXT roster and give them the opportunity to become champion the same way he got his with um, Roderick Strong back in December of last year. And what we got was the North American Championship Championship Series. Um, five triple threat matches over the, over the coming weeks that resulted in five men um, being able to earn their opportunity to get into the matchup. And these five men made it. Now, Dexter Loomis was supposed to be one of those five to gain entry into this matchup. And I w- it would have been XDA Velveteen Dream and keep Dexter Loomis in there with Grimes, Gargano, Reed, and Priest, which at the time were the five top men personally that I think were gunning for the championship. Unfortunately, Loomis actually had an ankle injury, which unfortunately caused him to bow out of his chance to become North American champion, of which I thought this matchup would have been perfect for him and would have really given him an opportunity to show his ass. Still, though, at TakeOver 30, we got this matchup. Um, of course, Velveteen Dream uh, earned his way in with uh, defeating Cameron Grimes and Kushida. Cameron Grimes then uh, got a second chance to get his shot and earn and won it. And this match was nothing short of spectacular. This was a one. This was one hell of a match. I believe this actually kicked off Takeover Thirty, if I'm not mistaken, and this really, really kicked off the night and really, really showed the best of the North American Championship scene. You know, of course, people are going to remember the the Johnny Gargano Cameron Grimes spot when he went for a sunset flip power bomb on the table, in which Grimes barely hit the damn thing. His shoulder pretty much ripped off of that. Still surprised that to this day he did not receive an injury off of that. Reed had a hell of a performance. Gargano had a hell of a performance. Grimes had a hell of a performance. And a lot of people were not wanting to see Grimes win that championship. Velveteen Dream had a solid performance. In the end, of course, we know Damian Priest won the NXT North American Championship, climbing up that ladder, retrieving the belt, and becoming the new champion. 
But this was a fantastic performance across the board for all five of these men. And me personally, I thought Reed had the most to gain out of this, and so did Grimes. Reed had a Reed had one hell of a performance. He was definitely making a name for himself. He was starting to uh, build the come up, and he had a match with uh, Damian Priest on the road to take over thirty, in which he defeated Priest, and it really, really showed that Reed was going to be a major player in the North American Championship Championship scene for many moons to come. So. All in all, this particular matchup really made the North American Championship very, very important with five guys who, uh, Sands, Dexter, Loomis, um, of course, two former North American champions, who were really, really deserving of being in the matchup. And when you have five guys of the caliber of being deserving to be in this particular matchup, it made for an even better match. And it made it very, very hard to call. Um, if I'm right, I did pick Damian Priest to win the championship. So I did get that one right, which I'm very uh, going to champ up my uh, pat, uh, back, so pack my back. <sighs> Make sure you drink your water, kids. And it really, really cemented Damian Priest as a top guy in NXT going forward. Now... Bronson Reed, of course, was out for some time, just out. Um, no injury or anything like that. Grimes went on to have a feud with Dexter Loomis from um, Halloween Havoc all the way to um, the strap match they had at TakeOver War Games. Johnny Gargano became a three-time um, North American champion, defeating Damian Priest at Halloween Havoc, and, of course, then losing the championship to Leon Ruff and then regaining it back at TakeOver War Games just a few weeks ago to become a three-time champion, as he is the current champion as of now. Velveteen Dream has been, honestly, nothing going on. He had a match with Champa, did a thing with Kushida for a hot minute, and hasn't been on TV since. Bronson Reed, is return- as, I, as I remember, has returned this past uh, last week, so I'm sure he will start to become in the North American Champion mix as well, as well as Damian Priest, who is now embroiled in a feud with Karrion Cross and have a match at New Year's Evil. So all in all, f- all five men really did quite well for themselves for the remainder of 2020. Um, Sands, uh, Velveteen Dream, who has been out, uh, who has now been taken off of television, and Bronson Reed is becoming back into television. So... This match was, in particular, really helped shape what the future of the brand was going to be with these five guys. And across the board, you know, this really sky, really skyrocketed a lot of these five guys' stock. Uh, of course, Priest winning the championship and Grimes winning it. Uh, Grimes having a solid match. Gargano having a solid match. Velveteen Dream, even though many people were really still mad at him for the whole situation that happened a few months prior. And we, are, we won't discuss that on this program. And Bronson Reed, I think, had a star-making performance. And really showed that he could hang with the bigger names in the North American Championship scene. <clears throat> so that is going to conclude. That is, okay, yeah, voice cracking and whatnot. Good Lord, I suck. That is going to conclude the 10 through 6 portion of the Honorable Mentions of 2020. When we come back, of course, y'all know we're going to be talking about Numbers five through one. What were the top five honorable mentions? More importantly, who did Mr. YLP choose as his top honorable mention of 2020? And seeing from the top five, 
Most of these matches will not be surprising to any of us. That'll be on the flip side of episode 283 of the YLP podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode 283 of the YLP Podcast, continuing on with the top five honorable mentions of 2020, as given to us by Mr. YLP himself, and we shall not waste any time whatsoever, let's get into, excuse me, the top five. Let us begin and go back to the Great American Bash back in July of this year. If this match wasn't on the list of either, it would be quite upsetting to myself and I'm sure to most of you. There is no reason why Adam Cole versus Keith Lee wasn't going to be on the list. For honorable mention, that's what This match, of course, made history. Either man was going to become the first ever double champion in the history of the brand. That itself alone would have been on any honorable mention list. Given the fact that, yes, this was the result was leaked, we still went out of our way to watch the match because we knew how important this matchup was to the company. Or should I say the brand as a whole? Adam Cole have faced it off against each other in NXT multiple times and there was no reason why this these two weren't going to face each other eventually for the title now I didn't think they were going to actually go title for title I didn't think that I thought it was just going to be a true one on one just champion versus champion who is the better man right now in NXT and Keith Lee was going to gun for the NXT championship when the match became official for both titles to be on the line, I had a feeling that, given the fact that Karrion Cross was pretty much looming and getting ready to vie for the NXT Championship, regardless of who won it at TakeOver 30 back in August, my thought was that it was going to be Adam Cole who was going to be the one to take both titles and then get destroyed by Karrion Cross. With the Undisputed Era getting involved throughout the entirety of the build, which would have been uh, pretty solid across the board. That that's just me personally. But the fact that we had Keith Lee become the first ever double champion actually made it a little bit more significant. It showed that Keith Lee could carry a brand. It showed that uh, he was able to carry that brand on his back. Uh, becoming the first man to ever defend both titles at the same time against Dominic Dajakovic, which also led to the beginnings of the storyline between Cross and Lee going into over 30. It did help the cause. It was right, uh, help the cause. It was the right call to make from the beginning. I personally enjoyed this match for the fact that this had all kinds of drama. You know, who was going to be the one to 
become the double champion? Who's going to be the one to be the true face of the brand at that very moment? And Undisputed Era did everything they could in trying to help Adam Cole win, but the resolve of Keith Lee was no match. It could not be denied that this was Keith Lee's night regardless. It didn't matter. And what a moment for him. And this was, of course, honoring his trainer as well, who had just recently passed prior to um, Keith Lee becoming double champion. I personally, this, this is one of those matches that really have a special place in my heart. It was just one, it was just perfect. And a lot of people were really anticipating this matchup. And a lot of people were thinking, you know, the fact that this was going to be on NXT TV made it even more special. This was a takeover-worthy main event in every sense of the words. And we got it on NXT TV. It is a moment I'm sure Keith Lee will never forget. It is a moment I'm sure that NXT is proud to have as one of their biggest moments of the year. And what happened for Adam Cole afterward, of course, was uh, his feud with Pat McAfee that happened to take over 30. And the, uh, the feud between the Undisputed Era and the Kings of NXT that ended at TakeOver War Games uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, Keith Lee, of course, after facing Karrion Cross and losing said championship at NXT TakeOver 30, um, he went up to the main roster and unfortunately has not had much success on the main roster. And unfortunately having to go down to the PC to pretty much relearn how to be a big man in WWE, which for most of you guys, and including myself, definitely see that as an actual tragedy, a travesty, and a true calamity in the uh, world of professional wrestling, which is why a lot of people have are losing, continuing to lose faith in Monday Night Raw, given the fact that Keith Lee is one of the better big men in the company. They have forced him to wear a singlet because they don't want to show the belly. Um... And not, uh, and not actually letting him show off his true ability of what he had done in NXT. So, for Cole, solid storylines going into the end of the year. For Keith Lee, unfortunately, having to travel a different path. And, of course, the true demotion of Mr. Keith Lee upon his arrival to Monday Night Raw. I would also be a fool for not seeing this on the list and not having this on the top honorable mentions of 2020. And at number four, Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly. And NXT TakeOver 31 for the NXT Championship. This was worthy of being a top five matchup for honorable mentions of the year. This was the kind of matchup that screamed strong style. With two guys, of course, a made man in Finn Balor and a, a, a man in Kyle O'Reilly, who I felt at that point needed to have a wonderful performance to be looked at as a serious possible contender going somewhere down the line. Just hypothetically, if the uh, Undisputed Era ever broke up or anything like that. Kyle O'Reilly proved on that night he could hang. With a guy like Finn Balor. This was a wonderful matchup. 
between two guys who could go and two guys who could really, really cement their names in the company. Of course, Finn Balor has had a renaissance ever since his return to NXT back last year. I believe in August of last year. Uh, and also turning on um, the entire NXT universe, going turning heel, becoming the prince once again. And ever since then, his heel run has just been fantastic. And now, facing a guy like Kyle O'Reilly, my anticipation for this matchup went up tenfold. They built it properly. They allowed Kyle pretty much to just go one-on-one with, with Finn. I don't think I remember correctly any interference from the Undisputed Era whatsoever in this matchup. This was a straight one-on-one matchup. There was no... There was nothing of the sort. There was no interference, no anything like that. I think they knew that if there was any true interference involved in this matchup, this matchup really... Honestly, if there was any interference by the Undisputed Era at any point in this matchup, this match may not have made the top 10 honorable mentions of 2020, without question. It wouldn't have. Because of the fact that it really would have been looked at as something of it would have been looked at as something of a failure to me, at least, you know, so having the fact, so giving them an opportunity to just go straight one-on-one, whoever won one and we'll, and we take it from there. I wasn't, I was not expecting the matchup that we got. I was not expecting Finn Browler to have his jaw broken in two places. I was not expecting Kyle O'Reilly to be injured for a little bit throughout the month of November. Oh, Eh, mine slips me. But in October, this was October, if I'm not mistaken, leading up to Halloween Havoc. So, this match in particular really, for some people in my mind, probably will make some top 10 matches of 2020. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, as Because the matchup was just brilliant. This was a one hell of a main event. It proved that it needed, it deserved to be a main event. And that as a whole, this, this was just brilliant. This was just well done, well produced. Finn Balor getting the victory, of course. And uh, of course, the show of respect, Finn Balor helping up Kyle Rally after the matchup, shaking of hands, sign of approval, which was going to lead to war games for the Undisputed Era. After the matchup, of course, we had Ridge Holland having Adam Cole by his shoulders and dropping him over the barricade, thus beginning the feud between the Kings of NXT and the Undisputed Era. Now, unfortunately for Ridge Holland, he suffered a knee injury uh, during a tag, uh, I believe a match with Oni Lurkin. Uh, We discussed that on the podcast as well. Um, And unfortunately for Holland he would not make it to this matchup, which really does suck because of the fact that this was going to be an opportunity for Holland to make a name for himself on the black and yellow standard, black and gold standard, I'm sorry, and really cement his name in uh, at least the mid-card scene and possibly the NXT championship scene later on in 2021. That was my hopes for Holland um, 
going into 2021 is that he would be, he would be contending for North American Championship gold, 2022 contending for NXT Championships and all that, and having been involved in major storylines. So this really kicked off a lot of things for uh, the Undisputed Era and for Finn Balor as well. Uh, Finn Balor came back uh, late November, pretty much clean bill of health. And also, now we're going to get this match one more time in a little bit more than a week's time for for New Year's Evil 2021. Of course, Kyle O'Reilly winning the number one contenders match against Pete Dunne just a couple of weeks ago. And... Now we're going to see this match one more time. Do I believe this match can be better than the first? Maybe. But it's going to be very hard to see O'Reilly Balor 2 possibly be better than O'Reilly Balor 1. At number 3 of our top 10 honorable mentions of 2020. Keith Lee and Dominic Dajakovic has been a feud that in my mind could say it was one of the better feuds of 2019. Two dudes being dudes. Bumping meat. Big chests. Big quads. Hitting each other with clotheslines and all that stuff. Doing what big men don't normally do on a regular basis. And their feud lasted from September all the way until TakeOver Portland back in February of this year. And this was the definitive penultimate end to this rivalry with the North American Championship on the line. Just two months after Keith Lee became North American Champion, defeating the Undisputed Era's Keith, uh, not Keith Lee, um, Roderick Strong, to win the title. They would meet once again. Now, mind you, I believe they had gone five matches strong. This was, the, I think, their fifth match. Um, before their sixth match, of course, back in uh, July of this year for the double championship. I, I was just, I have been impressed with the the two of them. You know, first match ending in a count out. I believe Keith Lee getting the, the first win. Dominic Dajakovic getting the second win. They face off against one more. Uh, I think Keith Lee won that one. Or ended a disqualification. I can't remember which. And then we had the final definitive matchup at TakeOver Portland. And this match was just truly sensational. Worthy of being on a TakeOver. Again, two big men who have the abilities that they have doing what they do best, which is beating the ever-living fuck out of each other, doing all types of top rope moves, Spanish flies, suplexes, Big Bang Catastrophe spirit bombs, roaring elbows, all that stuff. This was, in my mind, their best matchup in their rivalry. This was just well done. I was, I, I mean, with the North American Championship, you know, it really became that, in my mind, the workhorse championship that the Intercontinental Championship used to be back in the day and sit and pretty much signaled that whoever was holding the Intercontinental Championship at the time 
would be on their way to possibly becoming the WWE champion um, like they used to have it back in the day. They don't necessarily do that much anymore, considering the Intercontinental Championship is pretty much, uh, in my uh, in what Vince McMahon believes, is uh, not that relevant of a championship anymore. But with Big E holding the title right now, I'd say it's about as relevant as it has been in quite some time. It's not to say Sami Zayn um, hadn't made it relevant. That's not to say Jeff Hardy didn't make it relevant. That's not to say AJ Styles didn't make it relevant. But, you know, they didn't make it as proper uh, in 2020, honestly, in my mind, as they should have. They had their moments with it, but they didn't do it a proper justice in 2020. And I think hopefully in 2021, they'll make it a, a bigger deal, especially with SmackDown uh, doing very, very big work. And of course, their 3 million, uh, 3.336 rating that they had from uh, this past Friday's episode of SmackDown, which in my mind was one of the better Christmas episodes in the last few years. They've done themselves quite well. But. With Keith Lee and Diamond Dajakovic, these two really, really gave it everything uh, to end this rivalry, which led, of course, to the triple threat uh, matchup um, at TakeOver uh, uh, during WrestleMania weekend with a triple threat between Priest, Dajakovic, and Keith Lee, which led to the rivalry between Lee and Priest, which then led to uh, Keith Lee becoming North American, uh, well, and North American and NXT champion. So this was kind of like one of those banner years for Keith Lee in and of itself in NXT. Uh, this would Honestly, if we took out Lee being part of the main roster, he would have definitely been one of the leaders in the clubhouse for MVP this year. On, as being, that's the God's honest truth. I would have easily put this man in MVP consideration, but with the fact that he joined the um, main roster and was booked absolutely garbage it really hurt his stock in the MVP rankings and pretty much took him out of contention which is quite unfortunate for a lot of us but this was the jump start of what I considered a very big year for Keith Lee and I think for Dominic Dijakovic as well this was the jump start of what would have been a hell of a year for Dijakovic had he not joined the main roster as well on Monday Night Raw and become a member of the god awful staple Stable, I should say. That is retribution. They turned Dajakovic into a joke. T-Bar! My thing it, in, with that is like, this proves NXT is the superior brand of all WWE. And it's matches like Keith Lee and Dominic Dajakovic that really showed what these two men could do when you put them in a high-profile match like they had. Ending the feud that they had going all the way back to September of 2019. This is fantastic. This was one of those matches where, again, hardcore replay value across the board. I could go back to Portland right now and just, I would literally watch that match over everything. Because that's, that's not to say Bianca Belair Rhea Ripley wasn't a good matchup. That's not to say, I believe, uh, Tommaso Ciampa Cole wasn't a solid matchup. But I think this matchup in particular was really one of those matches um, early on in 2020 that I could be really proud of saying that I was a fan of this matchup. It, it made me proud to be an NXT fan that night, and this match literally cemented it. I was truly, we were, we were truly blessed to see what guys like Keith Lee and Dominic Dajakovic could do with a long-term storyline and matches that really had helped build up to this particular matchup. They're really happy with all of it, and there's no reason why 
this matchup didn't deserve to be on any list, regardless of honorable mentions or if it was just top men, top 10 of 2020. Again, if you're going strictly NXT across the board, this would easily be in the top five. If we're going straight NXT matches, this match in particular would have been in my top five if we were going strictly NXT. Because this really defined, this was, this really defined um, both men going into 2020. And it really showed that two big guys could do what they did in that particular match. And I was quite happy with the result. Very, very pleased with everything they, those two had done. And, and we may not see another feud like this for quite some time. So it's very appreciative. Uh, very good to appreciate, I should say. Two guys that have the ability that they have showing us them at their true best when you pair them up. And the chemistry cannot be in that. The chemistry between those two was fantastic. It was just very, very well done. Very, very impressive. And I could not be any happier with the result of this match in particular. The fact that this matchup all the way from January somehow, some way was able to I'd say possibly be overlooked for ten top ten matches. If you were talking about strictly if you're going strictly WWE chalk, this matchup I think deserves to be on every WWE top 10 match list for 2020. Hands fucking down. Because this matchup was one of those matches where I could be truly proud to say I enjoyed this fully. And I'm talking about the strap match between Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan back at the Royal Rumble for the Universal Championship. Now, this, of course, was before Super Showdown, and we all know what happened with that for Bray Wyatt, which pretty much signaled for a lot of people the burial of Bray Wyatt. But at the time before Goldberg decided to come back and get a paycheck, Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan were embroiled in a hot feud going into the Royal Rumble. And this was... The Fiend at his best before uh, teaming up with Alexa Bliss. This was literally him at his best. And Daniel Bryan was also at his best. I loved this match. This was not only a beatdown of epic proportions, but this was also Daniel Bryan being that true blue baby face that fans loved and still love to this day. This actually gave me WrestleMania 30 vibes for Daniel Bryan. You know, the storyline of him, of course, having to go through Triple H, going to Triple H in the opening matchup, that brutal matchup he had against Triple H, to then get in the main event of WrestleMania 30 to make it a triple threat between Orton and Batista and fight through all of that to make Batista tap out and have Daniel Bryan become the undisputed world heavyweight champion. That was a moment in time that a lot of people will never forget. <laughs> Aside from the fact that this was an unfortunate losing effort for Daniel Bryan, it showed his resolve. It showed that he was still willing to fight regardless 
of what The Fiend was doing to him throughout the entire match. He beat the living hell out of Daniel Bryan. Beat the living hell out of him. And, no. Daniel Bryan was trying to do everything in his power to somehow, some way, become Universal Champion. This is why this is at number two. Just Daniel Bryan's resolve. I mean, if you go back and watch that matchup, the anticipation for this match was just really there. And the fact that it was a big at a big four really made it that much better, and it really placed this at two. This was one of those. This was one of those matches. I I told myself after I saw this is like this this could have been in my top ten matches of twenty twenty if there weren't for the other you know ten matches that I do have on the list. But with Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan, this was just true blue heel versus true blue babyface. A man that people loved in The Fiend versus a guy like Daniel Bryan that people loved in him. And just one, it was just one of those things where you're saying to yourself, self, I think we enjoy this match a lot more than we thought. To which you hopefully will reply, uh, yeah, we do. And we need more of it. Of course, Wyatt would go on to win the match, retain his Universal Championship, and unfortunately lose the belt to Goldberg at Super Showdown, and unfortunately have the year that Bray Wyatt had, which to a lot of people, including myself, uh, was the year that Bray Wyatt did not need. And, and, and honestly, never truly deserved. He never deserved to lose to Goldberg. He deserved to go on to WrestleMania and face John Cena for the Universal Championship and beat John Cena. And then you can go on with a few with Braun Strowman. You can do all that. Have Roman come back as a heel. Do whatever you wanted to do. But this match really, up until Super Showdown, gave him all kinds of momentum. And made him really a top player in the company. And it's unfortunate that Bray Wyatt got the treatment that he deserved. It really is. Because this was this was the fiend at his best. Of course, you know, going back to SummerSlam and the introduction of Finn Balor. Not the introduction of Finn Balor. Well, the introduction of Finn Balor to uh, The Fiend. And then getting the Demon. Did we get the, I think we got Demon versus Bray, The Fiend. But this was, besides the introduction of Bray Wyatt as The Fiend, this was him at his true best before all the bullshit. This was just fantastic. And there's nothing that could be denied about this. I wish that we got Bray Wyatt, The Fiend versus John Cena in that matchup, even if it was still cinematic, you know, for The Fiend to actually get his just due. And that's that's kind of the plight with a lot of people in, in within, you know, that are people who do watch WWE consistently on a regular basis. Is that Bray Wyatt really never got his just due after he defeated Daniel Bryan. He deserved to be in a on the WrestleMania, fighting for the Universal Championship against John Cena, and there was nothing else that needed to be done. You still could have done Goldberg versus Roman if you wanted to go that route, or Goldberg versus Braun Strowman. You just didn't need to put him in that Universal Championship spotlight because that kind of ruined a lot of things for that. And you don't necessarily give championship opportunities to 50-year-old men. 
who are part-timers and don't deserve it. But at least we can say for one shining moment that Bray Wyatt was truly at his best with the fair, with the Fiend character until at least the summer. Some, at least the SummerSlam of 2020. And at number one for the top 10 honorable mentions of 2020. If you follow me on Twitter, well, if you were following me on my old, on my other Twitter, my alternate Twitter, at Suede Senator War, which is now just my personal page, I had actually said this match, hands down, was a literal lock, and the first and only lock of honorable mentions of 2020. The only lock of the story behind it, of how everything came together, of how the match was done, the ending of said match, the replay value of this matchup, and how well this came across. This matchup in particular was the only lock, and that I didn't expect this lock to be at number one, but it deserved to be. And that was AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn versus Jeff Hardy in a triple threat ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship at Champion at Night of Champions. This deserved to be at least close. This is the closest to becoming part of the top 10 matches of 2020. So much so that I would have put this in a literal tie at 10. But I've done that before, I believe in 2018 and 2019. And to me, I don't do ties. I'm not a big fan of ties unless it's like awards shows or whatever. That That's different. But in terms of legitimate list, there was 10 matches better than this, personally. But if there wasn't, if there wasn't, I easily would have put this in my top 10 of 2020 without a question, without question. I said that, like I said, I said this back in September. I said this was the only, this is the literal lock for honorable mentions. I had a feeling that there was going to be 10 matches better than this one. And there are. But this, again, like I said, was the closest it will... This is the closest it will ever get for a match... For this match to be part of the top 10. Without question. This match had the return of Sami Zayn. And two other men who held Intercontinental gold in a span of a few months. AJ Styles winning the IC Championship Tournament against Daniel Bryan. Jeff Hardy then beating AJ Styles. Um, and that storyline between the two with uh, Styles complaining that Hardy had used the, his, his knee brace that Styles caused prior to. And then, of course, you had the returning Sami Zayn. This had all the ingredients for an, for honorable mention of the year.
all the ingredients. The creativity used in this match really carried the day for me. Having Sami Zayn use the handcuff on Jeff Hardy's earlobe to lock him into the ladder. Genius. Having Sami Zayn using handcuffs on AJ Styles at the ladder towards the end of the matchup before he retrieved the title. Sheer genius. What happened, everything else that happened in between? Genius. God-tier stuff. This is the type of stuff that really, really got me going. Now, again, triple threat matches usually could go one of two ways. Either quite shitty or uh, damn good. This was easily in the damn good category. You don't get you don't get better with this. You honestly don't. And how anyone can say that this wouldn't be on anyone's top ten list would be crazy. Unfortunately, like I said, it's now you would think I'm crazy for not making this on my list. And I'm being dead honest with that. But when you really think about it, right, this was three guys who were proving themselves and had legitimate reason to be Intercontinental Champion. AJ Styles felt he was wronged by Jeff Hardy using the knee brace as a weapon in the matchup. Jeff Hardy, of course, getting uh, screwed over against Sami Zayn. Well, no, Jeff Hardy having to make the case that he wasn't. And, of course, that little feud that they had throughout, which the whole peeing thing was kind of weird. In terms of a drug test, that was kind of a weird. But we're not. But then having to use the pee to use it in uh, AJ Styles' face, that was kind of nasty. And not, uh. But then Sami Zayn's return, you know, after Jeff Hardy won the championship and making the case that he never lost the title. And the only reason that he was because he was stripped of said belt. When, of course, with the issues with Sammy, of course, uh, with the uh, him not wanting to come up to shows because of COVID, which he had every honest like right to say, I'm not doing that because Roman did it. So he came back in a major way. And this was a major storyline for him. And it was a proper time to insert him into said storyline. It was perfect. Everything leading up to the matchup, perfect. Everything made sense for this to be a triple threat. And the ma- and this particular match that we got really solidified all of them. Now, with Sami Zayn, uh, I guess in a sense, quote-unquote, retaining said championship, he had another match with uh, Jeff Hardy and made that definitive that he is the, the rightful Intercontinental Champion. Jeff Hardy, unfortunately, is now on Monday Night Raw, where he is literally in a uh, tag team with Matt Riddle, a.k.a. Mr. Bronuts. Oh, joy. Oh, joy with that. AJ Styles is now over on Monday Night Raw and just was involved in a, a solid TLC match for the WWE Championship against uh, Drew McIntyre and The Miz. So he's doing quite well for himself. I personally would have loved to see this matchup at WrestleMania between Styles and McIntyre because this was the kind of match that deserved to be at WrestleMania. Sami Zayn 
went on to hold the championship until literally this past Friday, losing the championship in a lumberjack match to Big E. I'm sure Big E will, uh, I think Big E's facing Baron, uh, Baron Corbin, or as I like to call him, everyone's favorite, Applebee's GM, Baron Corbin. So, in a sense, I think AJ Styles came out of this as the best part. But this matchup was one of those matchups that really, really set the bar for me. And was the, was the true bar of what Honorable Mention should be. Excuse me. A matchup that was damn good. But unfortunately, just barely. I mean, barely missed the cut. You know what I'm saying? Barely. Like, like literally by just that much. But congratulations to AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, and Jeff Hardy. My honor, top honorable mention of 2020. And that's going to conclude episode 283 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, we're going to close out the show in proper YLP fashion to get you ready for... Mr. YLP's top 10 matches of 2020. On the other side of this break, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 283 of the YLP podcast. Top 10 honorable mentions of 2020 as told by Mr. YLP himself. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are. The world! Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Of course, if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, or opinions about this list, do not hesitate to hit me up with an email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. Let me know what you're thinking, what your top 10 honorable mentions of the year would have been. And then talk your, talk as much crap as you want to. Also, make sure you leave your voice message over on anchor.fm forward slash younglionsperspective and anchor.fm forward slash radio. I want to hear all your opinions about that, what you thought about today's episode and what you thought about the list as a whole. Would you change it? Would you take out matches? Would you add ones to the list? I need to know. Let's create the dialogue and get that going. If you want to follow me on all of my social media and all that good stuff, you can find me over on Twitter at YL Perspective. That's capital YLP Perspective. I do live tweeting for AEW Dynamite every Wednesday night. Every Friday, I take care of uh, SmackDown Live duties. And of course, uh, if I have any obligations prior to, I'll let you guys know prior to that particular episode. I also do live tweeting for every AEW live pay-per-view, every WWE live pay-per-view, as I did with TLC uh, last week, every NXT and NXT UK TakeOver special, and of course, when it's 3.30 in the morning, I've gone to the bathroom and can't seem to go back to sleep, I do live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. If you want to see second thought videos, um updates on uh, shows, anything of the matter, follow me over my Instagram at 
young underscore lions underscore perspective. You can find all that there. And you can slide in my DMs, ask me any questions, or send me memes. I live for the wrestling memes. I live for the wrestling memes. You know it. If you want to find me over on my Facebook, um, which I, of course, uh, all my Instagram posts link to my Facebook, so you're not missing anything in terms of posts or stories. I can be found over there at Young Lions Perspective, all one word, or simply search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Yeah. Like the page, share the page, and make damn sure that you follow the page as well. We have over 100 followers over there, and I thank you guys so much for your continued love and support. Follow me on all these platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Y. LP Podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the YLP Podcast. Share this episode across all of your social media, the Instagrams, the Facebook, the Twitters. Share it on all the alt texts, the parlors, the gaps. Send it. Do a text message. Slide into your friend's DMs and let them know about this episode. And of course, use all the messenger apps. Facebook Messenger, uh, WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, all of the stuff that we have because... It's the internet. Duh. Because in these uh, unprecedented quarantine times with lockdown still going on around the world and such, we here at WrestleAddict Radio strive to bring you the very best in top-notch quality podcasting of professional wrestling. Because that's what we do and that's what we've been doing for some time now and we'll continue to do it going into the new year. Because not only are we truly the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. We are not only that, but we are 100%, without a doubt, without question, undoubtedly, undisputed, then, now, and forever, the alternative for Professional Wrestling Podcast, and that we are here to stay. Now, for most of y'all, I understand that you not you do not use the Anchor app for listening to this podcast, and that's perfectly fine. Everybody has their uh, go-to podcast and apps for their podcast listening needs. But if you think for just one freaking second that we're simply all about, of course, Anchor.fm slash Young Lines Perspective, Anchor.fm slash Wrestle Addict Radio, and I almost forgot to mention AmbiguousPodcastSolutions.com, and make sure you leave a comment, a good rating, and if you feel like uh, donating a couple of shekels my way, and if you're inclined to do so, by all means, do so. Not going to hurt me one bit. That's perfectly fine. But if you think we're all about just that, my friend, you are sadly mistaken, and you've been living under a rock for quite some time. Because not only are we on Anchor and AmbiguousPodcastSolutions.com, we have partnered up with Amazon Music and Audible. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Amazon Music came to us a couple months ago and wanted to partner up with the WrestleAdict Radio Squadron, to which we replied, absolutely. So you, along with your music that you can find on Amazon Music, you can also now find podcasts over there as well. And if you're listening to this episode on Amazon Music, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a solid comment, letting the people know that they need to come over to our realm and listen to what we got to say in the world of professional wrestling. Also, we are on Audible, you know, that app that has hundreds of thousands of audiobooks where your favorite rest- favorite professional wrestlers, favorite professional wrestlers have, probably has a book. Yeah, that one. They also do podcasts as well now. So if you're on Audible, thank you very much for your love and support. And make sure you leave a, a solid rating. And, of course, a good comment. Let the people know that you should come over and check out the entirety of the Wrestle Addict Radio family. That includes the YLP Podcast, the Kings of the Ring Podcast, the Fretzelmania Podcast, and, of course, the Delight Show with Manch Chapel. 
New episode out, by the way. Across all boards. <laughs> but you can also find this podcast and the entirety of the Wrestle Attic Radio family across several different platforms, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Podcast Attic, Player FM, Podbean. As always, shout out to the Podbean gang, Overcast, Castbox FM, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the entire family of Wrestle Addict Radio podcast, and you should have no problem finding us whatsoever. I'm going to look over to judges today to ensure I fulfill my obligations for today's episode. Looking to the country of Sri Lanka, which I, we haven't talked to in quite some time, and I believe I am getting the thumbs up. So, tomorrow, there will be no episode of last week, this week, as we normally would do on Tuesdays, because tomorrow is the big one. Episode 284. Is the big one. Mr. YLP's top 10 matches of 2020. Which match made the top 10? Or should I say matches made the top 10? Which match is number one? There's the entirety of matches that we've had in 2020, and only one can be chosen as the top match of 2020. 20. And dare I say it, looking at the list that Mr. YLP has given me, there have been some changes made. There is a clear-cut number one in his eyes, but the top five has been changed. And you'll understand it tomorrow, and you'll understand why the top five has been changed. There may be, from what I've been told, there may be a possible change in the bottom half of this list. Who knows? Between now and tomorrow, the landscape of the top 10 matches could be changed. And who knows what Mr. YLP is thinking about. But as far as I know, this list is officially definitive. Until I get other news, this match, these matches, the top 10, are definitive. Until said otherwise. So this is a big day for that. Other than that, guys... Enjoy the rest of your Monday. If you're going to be watching Monday Night Raw, as always, my condolences to your sanity. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and I'll see you guys right back here tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we discuss the top 10 matches of 2020. I'll see you guys tomorrow for episode 284 of the YLP Podcast. See you! This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.